0: The biggest thing I would say is anybody can get down, but can you get back up?
1: You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we have three interviews all tied to adverse childhood experiences, better known as ACEs. The fact is Oklahoma's children have the highest ACE scores in the nation. And basically what that questionnaire boils down to is three categories, abuse, neglect, and household dysfunction, including mental illness, substance use, and if a loved one has been incarcerated. To give you some perspective on this issue, we're talking to three people who played key roles in the Tulsa World newspaper's phenomenal eight-part series on ACEs. Lucinda Morty, who is a, an amazing mental health professional here at the association, is going to explain ACEs, but she's also going to talk about that she actually has an ACE score herself of five, which is considered high. Our second guest will be Donovan Ramsey. He is a resilient 19-year-old with a high ACE score and plenty of heartbreaking stories. But he's also representative that if we can get people the help that they need when they need it, they can have phenomenal futures ahead of them. And finally, Ashley Parrish is going to join us. She's the Tulsa World's deputy managing editor who oversaw the year-long process to make the Breaking the Cycles series on ACEs a reality. By the way, that series is available right now in its entirety at TulsaWorld.com. Okay, let's hear their stories. The mental health download starts now. Okay, so we're here with Lucinda Morty. She is the Sunbridge Clinical Coordinator for Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. And basically what that means is when someone calls our main number, Uh, 918-585-1213 or 405-943-3700, they are often connected to Lucinda, who helps people navigating the mental health system, which can be complicated a lot of times. But the reason we're talking to Lucinda today is that she was prominently featured in this Tulsa World ACEs score story, because one, she is a social worker and she knows a lot about ACE scores and also is, has a ACE score herself. So we'll get right into this. Lucinda, thank you so much for being here with us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Kind of walk me through your experience with the, the ACE score.
2: At first, I learned about it mostly for clients. And then I realized after taking The ACE for the first time, that some of the information that was on there, I thought was just customary that people experience that in their households regularly. And it wasn't until about 2016 that I recognized that there were things on there after learning about trauma-informed care that actually were not in a normal household And so when I took the ACE again and really read the questions and statements for what it was asking, I realized that my first ACE score did not compare to my second ACE score.
1: And what what were some of those things that um, that score revealed?
2: Sure. So one thing in particular that stood out was living with somebody who had a mental health condition and also living with somebody who had a substance abuse issue. I think those were the two pieces that stood out the most outside of being a uh, child of a divorced family. So that was also my third score. Uh, And then also the physical and emotional abuse I guess I just thought that was part of discipline until I learned that discipline, the root word, comes from disciple, which means to teach. And really what I was experiencing was punishment, which was the complete opposite of a true definition of what I was taught that discipline was supposed to be.
1: You know, what were your next steps once that was revealed? Or was it just like a, oh, that's interesting?
2: Yeah, so once I realized that... My score was actually different, and that I was truly seeing it for what it was. I did a lot of self help. Um, what I did was I dove deeper into learning more about what trauma-informed care is, um, and also I worked for a community mental health center that was certified in trauma-informed care, and so I got involved heavily in the Sanctuary Core Team, which um, is a branch of the Sanctuary Institute in, on the East Coast.
1: And so, how, you know, how are you doing today as far as all that goes?
2: I think I give myself a lot of permission to be patient and also to understand when I'm experiencing reenactments. So if I am in a situation where it feels very familiar, except the players are different people, I recognize that I am in a reenactment, and I also recognize that I can get out of that reenactment and not respond how I may have in the past. For example, I used to apologize to everybody for everything, whether it be something like excuse me, I would apologize for saying excuse me, and I never understood why I did that. I thought it was just part of my upbringing and never really paid attention to it, and so once I started paying attention that I don't have to be sorry for saying excuse me, Um, That's when I recognized that I needed to do something different and learn new coping skills and also to know that I don't have to allow my future generations to experience the same level of trauma and so that it can stop with me.
1: So, you know, when when we got this request from the Tulsa world, uh, specifically Tim Stanley, and when I directed him to you, you had actually revealed uh, previously that you had had an A score. But going into that interview, how did you feel? You know, not just being a mental health professional, but someone who has an A score.
2: Sure. I think this was an opportunity to teach. And that's really what I walked into the interview, wanting to show people is that it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to communicate that. And I think in a lot of work that I've done over my career, I've learned that education is so important and critical. And so I think for me, being able to educate somebody the realness behind trauma and that it affects everybody, regardless of what they've experienced. They don't have to experience a huge tragedy, but it could be small things that are happening in the home that often people passing by or people who are maybe extended family or friends may not see. And so I think for me, it was pointing out the clues and the warning signs, so that people are aware that trauma can impact an individual at any given time in their life. And it may not be the moment that the trauma happens. It could be years later that someone is discovering this. And I think, too, it was also to show that I can succeed regardless of my past and regardless of my ACE score, that I can heal and that I can be resilient
1: if a, if a mom calls or just anybody calls you and says, look, I want to learn more about ACE scores. You know, I suspect that maybe I have a, uh, that I may have a high ACE score and I just, I want to figure this out and what do I do next? You know, kind of uh, how, what, what tips would you provide that person?
2: I think definitely getting them connected to whether it be a support group or a counselor, um, any regard in that area to get a further assessment, especially if it's with a counselor, to find out more about their history and kind of what has happened, especially if someone is wanting to address those issues now so that it doesn't affect their ability to perform a job, so it doesn't affect their ability to further their education or to be a parent or grandparent for that matter, Um, because there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions around trauma and the stigma around trauma. We have to talk about these things, because if we don't, we're just going to to continue to perpetuate a problem that is never going to be able to heal.
1: One of the things that's in, in this series is they talked to our CEO, Mike Bros, and Mike said essentially that, you know, we need, we need to have an awareness campaign. Uh, we need to, you know, this needs to be a priority for lawmakers. And most importantly, it can no longer just be about talk. We need action. You know, if, if I gave you a magic wand and I said, Lucinda, we, we need to, you know, take care of this issue, what,
2: what would you do? I would love to have it plastered over billboards because you see those all the time when you're driving. I know I do when I go to work and home and travel about my community. And it would be so nice to have a flashing billboard that says, have you ever wondered what happened to you? Because I think that's what's missing in the language, is it's so often that we hear or people will tell us, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting this way? And instead of really looking at it from a different framework, instead of what's wrong with you to what's happened to you, Um, you know, I, I think a lot of social media plays an important part as well, that it'd be nice to have a constant running feed around trauma and just again, raising the awareness that it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to talk about what happened to you. Because until somebody asks that question, that trauma is just going to continue to be buried deep down inside, and, and we'll find it very hard for people to recover and heal.
1: Have you gotten many calls from people um, since this series is round about ACE scores or... Fielded any online questions. We do get calls through, you know, our Facebook page and things like that. Have has anybody reached out to you yet?
2: You know, um, people do reach out. They may not say it's related to an ACE score, but often they will ask for uh, specifically a therapist who has a specialization in working with trauma, whether it be first responder trauma or general trauma among civilians. Um, you know, I've even had military reach out to me about wanting to find somebody who specializes in PTSD. And again, I think we have to think about trauma on a spectrum that it can range depending on what the individual has experienced and what they're looking for. But there has been a recent increase in people wanting to know more information about trauma. So I've referred a lot of people to educational resources like the National Institute of Mental Health, uh, to get really good educational resources on trauma and how it can impact individuals and also how it impacts families. I also get a lot of calls around um, people who are seeking support, and often some of these symptoms that are related to trauma can be depression, anxiety. And so a lot of times, even though someone may be experiencing trauma, they still struggle with actually calling it that. And so a lot of times, unless somebody is outward about what they're wanting or seeking, I often know that those underlying symptoms are a result of trauma.
1: So is there anything I'm not asking you, anything you want to say about ACE scores, Lucinda?
2: I think it's just important to recognize and know that you have the ability to recover and heal from trauma. It may not happen overnight, and it could take a lifetime of recovery to really address the the root issues um, depending on the level. Of trauma and how many traumas have been experienced, because often it's not just one isolated event, but it could be events over years. And again, I think having that awareness and really encouraging people to talk about it, we've got to reduce and remove the stigma around trauma. Um, I think people feel more comfortable talking about stress than they do trauma. And I think that's just a culture that it's it's a... The word stress can mean a variety of different things, whereas in trauma, I think our mind shifts a little bit in that we know that we're addressing something deeper. And I think it's it's people have to give themselves permission to start talking about what happened to them.
1: Okay, Lucinda, thank you so much for joining us. You, you always have such amazing insight and advice, and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Our next guest is Donovan Ramsey as a high school senior Donovan got used to not having a permanent place to sleep on any given night it might be a friend's couch or it could be his truck the next but never in that time did Donovan think of himself as quote homeless that wouldn't come until last year when he returned to Tulsa and really had no other choice but to live on the streets as the Tulsa world's phenomenal writer Tim Stanley explains in his brilliant story on Donovan Donovan got off the streets and into housing thanks to the Mental Health Association's Walker Hall Transitional Living Center for Youth. Tim quoted Donovan as saying that he found his way to Walker Hall, quote, by the grace of God. I love that. And we're grateful that Donovan did find his way to Walker Hall. And we're also so
0: excited that he's here with us. Donovan, welcome to the Mental Health Download. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to share and tell my story with other homeless youth in Tulsa and wherever else this may reach. Awesome. All right. So, my first
1: question is, you know, Donovan, I know your story, but I really want to have you share it with our audience. So, let's start at the beginning. You know, tell us what your upbringing was like.
0: Well, my upbringing was... Uh, like everyone's, it had its ups and downs. Um, I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. My mother was around. My father wasn't around very much. And I just had a pretty, I lived a pretty sheltered, pretty simple life. Um, you know, I had some friends. My mom really wouldn't let me go out much. Uh, she was scared of the world, is what she said, but she told me. Um, yeah.
1: And you, and you helped out your mom in the kitchen, right, growing up? What was the best thing that she made or that you helped her make?
0: The best thing that I helped my mom make was a uh it was a recipe she got from a magazine at the doctor's office and it was for um like zucchini alfredo with fried prosciutto it was a really fancy dish with parmesan cheese and such um and me and my sister both helped her make that and it was really fun it was one of the last times that I could think of all of us being in the kitchen, just having fun cooking like that before she passed. And how old were were you when she passed? I was 14. So in these past five
1: years, you've had to overcome so many challenges in your life, including homelessness. So I want to fast forward through all of that pain and struggle and you know, let's let's go to the, the front door of the Walker Hall Transitional Living Center where you got to start your life again. So just tell me what moving off the streets and into Walker Hall meant to you and what that experience was like.
0: I literally felt like I had died and gone to heaven. It was surreal. Just the amount of like safeness that I felt. The amount of like people actually care. Like people like they're not turning their nose up for me like to me, but they went into this job not because they need money, but because they like to help youth. Like they want to see me do good. And um that just that really uh was like an eye opening moment for me at that point.
1: So once you got into Walker Hall, you know the the big thing there is that they teach you the skills that maybe you didn't have that weren't taught to you growing up. Um, you know, you have a, a assigned nights where you're making dinner for everybody, right? You're, you know, it's really encouraged that you guys are volunteering and going to school and, and you know, do being a part of uh, training programs to really get you ready for that next step in life.
0: So, you, you moved into Walker Hall when? Uh, my first day in Walker Hall was August 8th. 2018.
1: Nice. And you're still there? Yes, I am. Um, And do you have plans to to move out anytime soon or what's your plan?
0: Well, actually, the Youth Services Tulsa uh, Youth Transitional Living Program has uh, gotten in touch with me and I'm doing that now. So um, I'm still living at Walker Hall, so it'll be a transition from one transitional living program into one that's a little bit more independent, um, not as much... They kind of take the training wheels off uh, versus instead of being in a house with one big house with 12 other people, I'm going to have my own apartment with just myself. So...
1: That's awesome. Congratulations. That's super cool. Um, And that's what we want. You know, we want to kind of give you those tools to thrive and then, you know, move you on to your next, um, next point in your journey. So, while you were at Walker Hall, the staff... Gave you um, what's called an ACE screening, Acute Childhood Experiences screening. You know, you did that and you came up with a score of six. And four is considered a high score and you came up with a six. What can you tell me about going through that that screening?
0: Um, Well, with the screening, it's... I will say it's accurate. Um, A lot of it gets pretty... It could maybe be a little bit more... Not so cookie cutter in some places, but for the most part, it does what it's supposed to and um i don't it was it was shocking, but it wasn't to see that I had scored so high uh I try to be fairly conscious and self analyze myself as well as well as everything else around me. So I was pretty like when I was answering those, it was all questions that I've kind of thought about before and, you know, kind of like looked and put the magnifying glass under myself. So it was it was interesting, though, to see it kind of like in a number, though, like all of those different all of this stuff, like, you know, and it simplifies it and it's like kind of crazy that big judge, like based on a number, like you can kind of tell in somewhat accurately, like the level of degree of someone's trauma. Sometimes I'll be talking to people and me, the way I've kind of in my head, I had a good childhood. If I think hard, I have had a good childhood. But once I start like narrowing and pinpointing things and start talking to people, like um, like how I'm talking to you right now and it kind of like, oh my God, like, Did that really happen? Am I really just like, oh, that's, wow, that's my life. Jeez.
1: And you've, but you're a survivor, man. You are super resilient. And, you know, there were so many paths along your journey that you really, they could have ended up in a very different place. Cause right now you're, uh, what, you have a safe place to live. You're, you've got all these life skills that you've learned. You've got a job. Uh, where, where are you working at right now? I work at Chipotle. Oh, Nice. And what, what what do you do there at Chipotle?
0: I cook all the hot foods for Chipotle. So the beans, the rice, chicken, steak, carnitas, barbacoa. And and they, um, and they you're also in culinary school, right? Yes. Um, I'm finished the more schooling part. Right now I'm just getting my externship hours through uh, Chipotle.
1: I know that you've got, you know, you're moving into an apartment. You've got this job. But, like, what do you want for the next five years?
0: For the next five years, I would like to uh i would like to grow more as a person i try to be really straightforward and to the point and just as is for face value i don't like um smoking mirrors so just to be more unapologetically myself and to filter maybe a little bit less uh and then also to um maybe work on different things um Different things that I might be a hypocrite about for myself, Um, just keeping that same energy and holding myself accountable to the same standards that I want other people to be held to, I suppose.
1: You know, when you were experiencing homelessness, um, just surviving, uh, you know, what were some of those things that you felt that society was labeling you as or that, you know, when someone drove past you, what do you think that they thought of you at that point?
0: I mean it always cycled and the gears would start to turn when people would like drive past or something and I'd feel self conscious. I don't know, I just kinda wanted to hide. I was I was ashamed because you you wanna just be able to just snap out of homeless and just like oh okay, I'm gonna get a job and a car and a house, I'm gonna be working, like, it's gonna be okay. And a lot of times it doesn't work that way. You know, you you wanted to hide,
1: then you didn't want people to see you. Now, you, you know, you're in you're in the Tulsa world. You know, your photo is very prominent in that in that feature. You're the face of this series. Um, you know, when someone sees your face in the newspaper, or sees you walking down the streets now, what do you want them to see?
0: I'd want them to describe me very positively, but I would want them to see me as both like homeless and not homeless because I always try to carry myself in the highest way possible. So even when I was homeless, like I still tried to hold on to my sense of self and like humanity. I didn't just go full on animal instinct, like survival of the fittest kind of thing. Like, so, um, I would want people to see and recognize that I have been homeless and actually to this very day am technically still homeless. Um, But I also want them to look at it and see like he did all of that and he doesn't even have like a permanent place to lay his head like wow like um, and some of that I feel I've been told by multiple people I don't give myself enough credit. Um, I'm my own worst enemy sometimes but I'm trying to be my own best uh, advocate. I want people. I don't want people to just look at me and think, "Oh, I'm some stuck-up person." I want people to know, like, I had to work for what I had, like, to get here. Like, I just didn't just fall into my lap. Like, I it, it took some. It took crying. It took, you know, sleepless nights. It took the whole team of people for Walker Hall and Mental Health Association, YST, the Day Center. John 316, the Salvation Army. I've done case management and signed up for all of the programs around here. It took a lot. And the biggest thing I would say is, anybody can get down, but can you get back up? God bless you.
1: Thank you for being a part of this Tulsa World story. Man, it's been, we're hearing nothing but rave reviews about it. So thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me share my story with people.
1: Our final guest is Ashley Parrish. She's the deputy managing editor of the Tulsa World. She actually led the team that created the Breaking the Cycle series on ACES. So, Ashley, welcome to the Mental Health Download. My first question, Ashley, is how did this series all begin?
3: So, this started last year when we really wanted to come up with a project that we could dig ourselves into. Uh, We polled the entire newsroom, asked for story ideas. And we got kind of what you would expect. They're all great stories, but it was about Oklahoma's incarceration rate, uh, Oklahoma's mental health problem, Oklahoma's drug problem, Oklahoma's alcohol problem. And then uh, Andrea Eager, who's one of our project's reporters, uh, she's covered education for years for us. And she came to us with this stat that she had heard that Oklahoma kids topped The Nation in Trauma. And she told us about ACEs, and none of us sitting in the room had ever heard about it. And as she started telling us about it, it's like light bulbs just went off for all of us. And it was like, so these traumas that our kids lead the nation in, huh, they lead to alcoholism, incarceration, mental illness, even down to physical problems like heart disease. And it just kind of coalesced for us that what's wrong with Oklahoma? Why are we topping all these lists? Huh. Huh. It's how we're treating our kids. So it just, that that was it. And from there, we knew we had our series, and we started assembling all the best minds in Tulsa to tell us more. We just wanted to get as educated as possible before we went out and started our reporting process.
1: What was it like, because <laughs> the newsroom is busy, and for you to go to all these people and say, look... We're going to spend a lot of time on this project. What was some of the um, the feedback that you got from people? Um, how excited were they about this project?
3: Everyone, as soon as we told them about the project, it became personal to them. Uh, every, you know, my managing editor, my executive editor, as soon as I pitched the idea and explained what ACEs were, they're like, oh. I know this person, I know this person. oh, what's my a score it It was just it became very personal to everybody, so I really there was no resistance um and in fact, it started as a four day series, and it was uh my bosses who said, "No, eight days, let's go Sunday to sunday and that was really rewarding to hear
1: as you dig through all of the of those stories, there's just so much amazing, heartbreaking, insightful. Information that really—it makes you angry, it makes you happy, it makes you want to get out and do something to make a difference. But what were some of those big things that, as you were reading through all this content and looking at all these photos, what what were some of those big things that struck you?
3: Well, you know, as we started, we just were looking at the aces. So, you know, we knew we wanted to talk to someone. Um, who had a mental illness, who had the adverse childhood experiences. We knew we wanted to talk to someone who uh, had gotten out of jail, who was a mom, who was someone who had a child who had that high A score because she had been in jail. Um, And so I knew it was going to be a sad project. What I thought was interesting is how much hope there was in the project and all these moments that came back. And then we found out about PACES. And it's the protective, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it, uh, but it's, it's the mitigating factors of the ACEs. And it was two OSU professors who came up with it. And it was, it was knowing that there were things that could actually heal the brain. It could heal the trauma. And, you know, everything from therapy to clubs, hobbies, but also but the single most important one was a mentor. An adult figure, someone to count on. And there's so many of those in Tulsa. Tulsa does nonprofits so well. We've got so many people that help. And it was just knowing that there's so many people out there fighting it. So we knew that every single day when we were going to discuss an issue, we had to talk about one of the people who was fighting back. And then, and hopefully, inspire more people to want to take that role. Um, so we did a, you know, a big brother, big sister. We did a CASA. Um, it it just, it, we did a foster mom. And what we were really hoping is that one of those people would really uh, appeal to somebody and they would know, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go do that. And know that it is not hopeless. We do not have to be stuck in the cycle.
1: What have been some of the things since this series has come out? What have been some of the things that you're excited uh, about that you think are going to really make a difference to reduce dramatically these A scores in Oklahoma.
3: Um, there's a task force right now in the legislature. We're really hoping that that, you know, maybe that could get sped up. What can happen from that? What legislation can happen? What money can come? What resources can come to these agencies and to these people who are working so hard on it? Um, we know Governor Stitt knows about it. His wife, the first lady, uh, Sarah Stitt, has has shown up at several ACE events. Her, she's talked about her own struggle. Her parents uh, had mental illness, so we know so many people are aware of it but we kind of wanted to light a fire. It's like everyone everyone struggles with where Oklahoma sits on the top of all these tests. We know we can do better. And I'm what I really really hope is that it made it personal to people that they had aha moments and that they that they they take that forward. They want to make a change within themselves. They want to go and help a kid um It just—it doesn't have to keep. The cycle does not have to keep going.
1: So you know, we both have kids, and uh, I know when I read these these kind of stories, as a parent, it just tears me up. You know, looking at it from the uh, through your parents' eyes, you know, what? How did that affect you? um, Reading about this series.
3: Well, I'll tell you. I would have said that I had a pretty beaver cleaver childhood. Uh, I'm a four on the childhood, on the ACE test. And that kind of hit me. Uh, But I had a lot of mitigating factors. Uh, But it made me think about how I talk to my kids. And it made me think about the world that they're growing up in and the world I want them to grow up in. I have to say, I think I'm a lot more patient now. I think I think before I talk to my kids, because I don't want them to grow up with any with a. I want them to have a zero A score. Uh, so I I think it definitely did. It, it affected me. I think it affected all the writers in that way as we all went around and took our test and had to confront our own pasts, our own childhoods.
1: Your husband is is brilliant. You know, in talking to Michael about his, uh, and doing this reporting, you know, what were some of the, do you remember any of the things that he was remarking as he was going through his discovery process?
3: I tell you what, we've been talking about ACEs for a whole year. I mean, our kids are sick of hearing about childhood trauma because it was at the dinner table a lot. Um, you know, I think he's the one who followed the two moms and the moms who, um, You know, one had just gotten out of jail. One of them was pregnant during the series. And I think it just hit her, hit all of us when um, she said she knew her older child had a high A score, but the baby that wasn't born yet was gonna have a zero. She knew her older child already was because she'd already been in jail. She'd already been separated from her. She had already seen the drug and the alcohol abuse, but this baby. Wasn't going to notice that. Wasn't going to know that was going to be a zero. And it just, I mean, stuff like that was just kind of uplifting, even as you thought that this was going to be just a depressing, depressing series to work on.
1: I just want to thank you guys, um, especially now in this climate of that media is so vilified. This is just yet another example of a million of why we need compassionate journalists getting these things done and i just i can go on and on but uh, i'm just a big fan i'm a big fan of you ashley Parrish. so thank you so much
3: oh thank you hey we're we're tulsans we're oklahomans we want to make this a better place
1: thanks again to all of our guests today if you'd like to take the ace questionnaire or to read the tulsa world's breaking the cycle series We've included all the links in the podcast show notes. And thank you to everyone who's listened today. If you could do us a huge favor, give the Mental Health Download a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. It makes us feel awesome. Plus, it really helps us get the word out about the podcast so we can educate more people about things like ACEs and all of the issues we address each week. With that being said, I'll leave you with these words that can help make a difference in our state. Go do good things.